Welcome to the podcast most people don't, but you do, where we have stories and conversations about people that are exceptional, people that are going above and beyond, people that are doing really interesting things. Today's guest, his name is Tim Winter. He is the president and founder of Paradigm Homes. I had the pleasure of meeting him just recently through some mutual friends. So shout out to Jim Hadley in the Northern Virginia area. I was immediately intrigued by Tim's perspective of what he does for a living and probably more importantly, how he does it. We're gonna be chatting with him about his background. He's a fellow Penn State Nittany Lion. Without further ado, Tim Winter, welcome to the show. Well, thank you, Bart. I really appreciate you having me on. It's always great to talk to another Penn State brother, so appreciate it. <laughs> yeah, and Jim, when he introduced us, he said, you need to meet this guy, Tim Winter. You guys have so much in common, and it's okay if we use our Pittsburgh accent for the next That's couple right. of moments. <laughs> but understanding that you grew up in Pittsburgh, you went to Penn State just like me, you had some health scares just like me, an entrepreneur uh, better than me, just like me. <laughs> You're doing some really cool things. And Tim, it, th our, our listeners like to learn about the individual. And the questions that I really like to get into is the drive behind the why. Yes, you are massively successful with Paradigm Homes. You're expanding into new markets. You have your own architectural division. You're doing some really in incredible things. But what our listeners want to learn is the why. We're going to start at the beginning, Tim. And if you can share with our listeners about growing up and what did you think you wanted to do for a career while you were growing up? Yeah, my Pittsburgh roots are, is where it all began. And I think there's a lifestyle and a culture there that's different than a lot of parts of the world that I believe you can relate to. It's just, it's grit. It's blue collar. It's get things done. It's work hard. Just go through all those motions. So that, that was instilled with me from a, being a kid. As, as young as I could remember, my dad used to buy houses and fix them up and, and renovate them. And so I've been around the construction renovation world since I was probably four or five years old. Right? We were always, he was always doing stuff. He's renovated some of our own properties. And when I got to the age where I could actually do some things, my dad started having me work, right? So seven, eight, nine, I'm painting, scraping paint, doing different things, cleaning houses, ripping carpet out. And so that's where it started, right? So I started with that with my father and, and then my mom. So she was a stay-at-home mom, but she, this is where the entrepreneurial side comes from. She ran a uh, beauty salon out of the basement and also had a catering company. So that, that work ethic was instilled within me from a kid. And that's really where my, a lot of who I am, the grit that I have, the determination that I have starts there. Although I didn't enjoy it <laughs> as a kid, I wanted to go, I wanted to go play with my friends. I wanted to go play basketball and baseball and I was big in the sports. So that was another thing that kind of helped me growing up, but still, no, I'd rather do that. But the, the mixture of being able to be a kid, play sports, do all those things and then work alongside my parents, it was great. And then at some point I got wise and said, you know what? you guys should probably pay me for some of this work that I'm doing. And my dad and I negotiated. He'd either let me bid out a job or I'd give him an hourly rate on some things. And 
That hard work was something that kind of has been instilled within me from the beginning. And I try to encourage others. And unfortunately, some people don't understand that. They don't come from that same environment. They, they didn't grow up in a city like Pittsburgh and didn't see the the struggle that a lot of people had there and still have there. And so, yeah, it was it was a pretty pretty fun upbringing, and there's there's a lot of stories there that my dad and I we didn't get along. So was it it was it was a, a little bit of a, a back and forth. I think I knew better than him it, as a kid, telling him what to do. But I think that's what most kids do. They don't want to listen to their parents until yeah. now. I look back, I'm like, yeah, my dad was pretty smart. <laughs> yeah. I was actually gonna you answered two questions immediately. I was gonna ask you, did you enjoy it? And then the second part was, did you get paid for it? And you answered both of those things. So, Tim, was that your dad's full-time job? Was he involved with construction or was that just a side gig for him? It was a side gig for him. So he he worked at Duquesne Light, which is the power plant, the Beaver Valley Power Station. He worked there as an engineer type. And I honestly don't know exactly what he did there, but but that's what he did. He worked a bunch. And so he would do these rental properties as a, a secondary way to make money. And so I've seen that and I've always been intrigued by the real estate piece. And even to the point when I was 18, my dad actually helped me buy my first property. Now, it wasn't very much. It was like you know $20,000, but then he helped me get a loan and he helped me uh, renovate it. And my dad was my actual, my first employee. Because I went off to Penn State. I'm yeah. in Penn State, Maine. My dad's back in uh, this, the house was in New Brighton, PA. My dad's back renovating the house. So my dad was my first project manager. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So I reversed the roles. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's not unusual when I talk to people, and it's really cool, Tim. I talk to other individuals from Pittsburgh. So I had the president and CEO of Permani Brothers. Um, Adam, a terrific gentleman. Did he, did he send background. you a sandwich? Did he send you some sandwich? <laughs> I was hoping for so I go whenever I go in there into the strip district, I mention his name and it doesn't really get me anything, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, a terrific gentleman and similar values, right? He worked for Giant Eagle, he worked for Eaton Park. So it's the grit aspect of growing up and then being exposed to different things. Tim, as you were sharing about your father, my father was an art educator. He was an art teacher for 35 years. And on the side, he would make silver jewelry. Every evening in the basement, in the garage, he would make silver jewelry. And that was his entrepreneurial side gig in order to be able to pay for three of kids, right? I have two older sisters to go to college. It, it's what you had to do. And my mother was yeah. a stay-at-home mom for a while, but then she started to do some things. So I really have great appreciation for what you just shared. Tim, do you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I have a, a younger sister and a younger brother. So I'm the okay. oldest of three. Yeah. And, and were they involved? Were they encouraged to scrape paint and take down boards and help with the home renovation? Yes and no. My sister, not as much. My brother and I used to complain all the time that why does Kylie get the, why did she get involved in all of this? Right. So we would, we would complain about that. But no, they were around it. We, my parents had all of us doing work and chores around the house and, we lived on four and a half acres, so there was always grass to be cut and mulch to be put down. And we had a pool, so if we wanted to maintain it, we, we were all trained in making sure the pool had chlorine and yeah. all those things. So now we were all involved. I mean, even my brother is also an entrepreneur. He started his own company about six years ago. He's in the countertop fabrication company, and he's doing extremely well for himself. And my sister's an entrepreneur in her own way. She has five kids, so she's a baby factory. <laughs> uh -huh. uh, the, so the entrepreneur aspect, the innovation aspect, the hard work, the grit, we're getting a sense of who Tim Winter is. It's uh, you had to work 
wanted to be able to have good things and do nice things. As you just described growing up on four acres and having a pool, did you feel that you were middle class? Did you want for things? Did you feel that you were upper class compared to the neighbors and your friends in school? How, how did you feel? Yeah, I would describe us as middle class. Some of those things were, I'll give you an example. So when Air Jordans became a thing, right, everybody was pushing to get that. And my mom's, yeah, I can afford to buy those for you, but I only spend $30 on shoes. So if you want those shoes, you need to figure out how you want to get those. So I went and got a paper route at 12 years old, delivering papers, plus making some money, doing some chores for my dad. But that was the mindset that they always had. You need, if you want something, you need to earn it. You need to go after it. For them, I would say, yeah, middle class. And then what transitioned? I've always liked nice things, right? Obviously started with the Jordans and I still buy them to this day. I was a nostalgia stake. My wife's probably ready, tired of all the <laughs> shoes that I buy. <laughs> but, but that's part of my childhood. That's part of what that symbolized what helped me do what I do is my parents pushing me to go above and beyond and, and think differently. But it wasn't until I was probably 18, we would spend a lot of time with my uncle that lived actually in Northern Virginia and still does. And he became very successful. So I'd seen the difference between a place like Pittsburgh and Northern Virginia. And so at 18, when I graduated college, or college, not that smart, graduated high school, my uncle took me and my grandfather actually on a trip to Puerto Rico. And at that moment, that was like the time, like, wait a second, there's more to this world that is out there. Not my parents, they gave us a lot. They trained us a lot, but our vacations were camping trips. And that was the extent of it. We, the biggest trip we ever did was a cross country trip, but majority of it was camping and seeing the sites that my dad and mom wanted to see. So that moment in my life, I'm, when my uncle, he became an inspiration to me and still is a big mentor in my life and just showed me that there's more to the world than what we're used to in Pittsburgh. Yeah. And, and I'm curious about that because both of my sisters are still in Pittsburgh and my mother is still in Pittsburgh. I told you my father had passed away. The aspect of more than Pittsburgh and this is not anything negative against the city because incredible people and incredible grit. The element of right traveling for the first time, I guess the question is, what do you believe is more than? What, what did you begin to see when you travel? Because I shared with you, Tim, I come from hospitality, former Ritz-Carlton, and we're going to be hopefully working on a project soon. But what was the element of what you began to see that intrigued you? Yeah, I think it was just the hotel that we stayed in um, was nicer than any place I've ever stayed before with my parents. The dinners that we had, hanging out at the pool, just it was just a different environment and a different vibe. And mixed with that, of I spent um, part of the summer one year actually down here in North Virginia with my uncle and. You live here, you know, this market, it's one of the top two or three counties in the entire world as far as wealth goes. And it's just, it's a different world. And so I'd go back to Pittsburgh and not a knock on Pittsburgh, but like you said, it's got the grit and there's tons of great people. My parents still live there. My sister still lives there. I've got uncles there, family and friends, other family and friends still there, uncle, other aunts and uncles. Just going back, 
without seeing some place like Northern Virginia then going back to Pittsburgh, I think that was a big eye-opener that, wait a second, everything's new in Virginia, new houses, new roads, new stores, new, it was just growth. And then you go back to Pittsburgh and it's the same store that's been there since the 60s, you know, or whatever, yes. 70s. And so there's no, no change, there's no real growth. And, and a lot of that has to do with what happened there in Pittsburgh when the steel companies all pulled out of there and still left the country and all of that kind of left a very depressed area. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the word that I'm learning from you just now, or the theme that I'm getting from you is growth. Yeah. And I share this statement. I don't think I shared this when I met you the other day. It's easy to be, but it's better to become. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with being. There's people that are content with being, but there's people like you. There's people like your uncle, like your brother, like your, like there are so many people that we are associated with where we want to grow and we want to become better. And that that affects your business, that affects your mindset. And we will get into that momentarily about the thing that I thought was really cool about you, Tim, and I complimented you the other day. I'm presenting to a lot of different companies, some big and some small, and there might be a desire to get better, to improve, but often people might not have the influence because they're worked for a company that's been around for 80 years and there's 80 board members ahead of them and the political environment doesn't allow them to always do the right thing because they have to make decisions that are affecting stock prices and how the street reacts. But you as an entrepreneur and you being the president of your own company, you have the ability to affect that and influence that. And we'll get to that in a moment. When you were going to Penn State, can you share with our listeners what you studied? Because it wasn't initially about building homes and being an entrepreneur. Can you share with what you studied and what you were thinking you wanted to do when you were in college? Yeah. So as a kid, I loved to argue. And one of the passions of my grandfather was always to be an attorney. So I said, he never did it. I'll take that task on and I'll become an attorney. And so I started out as a pre-law mindset major. And then I realized that there's a lot of, a lot more school that comes with that. And not a knock against school. That's just not me. I'm a very visual learner. And um, so I immediately pivoted to, I pivoted because I met a girl that was being transferred to main campus of Penn State. We were at a branch campus, Penn State Beaver. And so that whole transition was, how do I get to Penn State Maine sooner than waiting another year and a half? And so I took four years of German in, in college or in high school. And so like, all right, I'll declare a German major because Penn State Beaver doesn't have German. And so I transferred. They were able to transfer me. They moved me to Penn State. Immediately within that kind of time frame, I realized that German in college is a lot harder than German in high school. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was, I was getting tutored or whatever. I, was, I just finally, I, I took my uh, beating and I said, you know what? I'm out of this. Let me find something else that fits me better and I, where I don't have to lose credits. Cause look, I'm not a school guy. Like I went to school because that was what you had to do to get a job. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I went through, I learned a lot more from just living, living on my own, all that kind of stuff. than maybe some of the things that I learned educationally, but So from there, I went into Penn State has a a degree called labor and industrial relations. So it's very HR driven, labor unions. And then I had a minor in business. So from there, I always knew because I was in college and and I I started a, a kind of this real estate company with my dad. So I've always had this mindset of how can I make money, do this kind of stuff. And the girl that I actually met is 
now my wife of 23 years. So that was a good decision to change from pre-law to, to, to German uh, for that short time. But yeah, so through that whole transition, it just, if anything, that shows you more of, I'm trying to find solutions. Like one of the core values at Paradigms is to be a solutions architect. And that's something that I've always, since I was young, always tried to solve a problem, make things easier or better. And that's probably where the rub was with my dad because he's like, no, do it this way. I'm like, no, but I could do it better this way. So that's always how I've been. I'll always try to buck the system a little bit to get, I don't say get my way, but figure things out. Yeah. And, and getting better and making it better and perhaps making it more efficient. Now, not in a lazy way, correct? More, more efficient and better in order to be able to do more. Yeah, exactly. Where do you think that comes from? Your father was not that way. He's going to be doing it the same way. My dad was the same way, right? Your mother probably wasn't that way. Why do you think you are driven to do more, Tim? I I think I seen the, the challenges that they had. And I was, you know, very aware to how my dad worked. He worked hard, but he didn't all the time work smart. He always hired the cheapest people and the lowest cost. And I get it. He's trying to make money. Like I, I get that side of it. But for me, when, when I came out, I said, when I go after whatever it is I'm going to go after, I want to make sure it's done. I'll pay more for the right people. I'll, I'll go, I'll pay more to stay at the nice hotel. That was my mindset because of you know, watching my father, watching my mother, both awesome people. And then having an uncle as an influence that, that has shared a lot with me, opening up the, the world, my eyes to the world. I'm like, there's more out there. And I want to go, I want to go after it. I want to accomplish it. I want to take over the world. And so I, I don't know exactly where that came from. It's just something that's always been in the core of who I am. Yeah, pretty cool. And it's the, again, the drive to probably have a better life than what you saw your parents having. And it was a good life, but there's nothing wrong with making it better, making it more simple, and certainly having fun and doing it. When you and I met the other day in person, you shared, okay, your first job, maybe it was out of school, and we don't need to reference the company, but you were working for a different home builder. Was that your first job out of school? For yeah, seven first job out of school, yeah. So okay. my wife and I got engaged our senior year at Penn State, and we said, whoever gets a job first, that's where we're going. And so we ended up in Northern Virginia working for a national builder here. And so that's how we ended up in Northern Virginia. And, and, and your wife's the- first, name, first name is Jen, right? Yeah. Yep. Jen. Okay. Because we have to mention Jen. Shout out to Jen for doing the right thing and making this guy happy. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I do want to talk a little bit about her because I know you have a foundation as well that she is running for you. So you're working for an organization, a national home builder, seven years into it. Was there something that happened, and I can't remember what you shared with me, at seven years into it, seven years, correct? Yeah. Was the economy changing? Did something change? What prompted you to say, you know what? I could probably do this, and there's so many cool correlations that we're already learning, Tim. I could probably do this more efficiently and more effectively, and I could probably do it better, not unlike the thought that you had with your dad. Not yeah. unlike the situation that you've seen with other people. It, here's the theme. We're uncovering the layers of Tim Winter. <laughs> Did something happen in the, in, with the economy? What prompted you to say, I could probably do this better and I could probably do it more efficiently? Yeah, this was 2000, 
six, seven. I've always had the idea of wanting to do my own thing, right? But I needed to learn and grow and understand some things before I can do it. So one of the things that led to that was the first is I built my own house at, I was 26 going into 27. And for me, like I need to do it myself first before I could sell that to somebody else. Like I needed to just map that. So that was the first thing that helped uh, push me on. But also during that time, after the house was built, we moved in 2006, the market started to turn. And so I had worked my way up through the ranks at this builder. And then they started letting lower tier of people go. They saw things coming that the, the housing industry was changing and times were changing. And so they started to, to get wise and cut the, the people where they needed to maintain their, their publicly traded company. So maintain their stock price. And so in that moment, they, they didn't know what to do with me. So they moved me back into the field and I was building two houses. Now, when you work for a builder of this size, production builder, when I was actually in the field three or four years prior to that, I was building probably 20 houses at a time with two or three assistants. So you're pretty busy. And going to work to build two houses was not a lot of work. It wasn't exciting. It was, I was doing some service projects, but it, it wasn't, wasn't getting me out of bed. And so I had this idea of, I can go build two houses on my own, make things better, be my own boss, take, make some money from this and, and see where it goes. And so I started the idea of that towards the end of 2006 and early into 2007. And then I f officially left in May of 2007 right when two months before the mortgage meltdown happened. Mm -hmm. And, but thankfully I was young, dumb, and naive. And I'm just like, let's, let's figure this out. And so we hit the addition and renovation friends and family circuit, got into commercial work, retail, restaurants, coffee shops, basically anything to get through that lull. It wasn't until I left 2007 to be a custom home builder. It wasn't until 2010 is when I built my first custom home. Okay. All right. So you did there's that grit again. You figured it out, right? Yeah. You were doing whatever you needed to do to continue to pursue your vision, which is just remarkable. All right. So we're going to fast forward a little bit. You start your own business. You know that you can do things better respectfully. You can do it more efficiently. You can certainly build two homes a year on your own. Great. When you started your company, did you feel that you were fulfilling your passion did it feel right yeah even to this day after 17 years i love what i do it's not work to me now there's days that i'm like oh this is miserable why am i doing this but for the most part 98 percent of the time like i really enjoy what we do and so yeah it's been fun okay so why do you enjoy what you do i think it's Really, over the last few years, it's the people that I get to pour into and help them become better. Like over the last four or five years, we've grown a lot and I've brought a bunch of staff on and a lot of staff are younger and it's been fun to watch them grow. So for me, it's being a leader and helping them become leaders. It's, it's, I love the industry that we're in because it's cool. You, you take something from nothing and turn it into an amazing house or renovation project. But on my mind, I'm also renovating people's lives, right? The people that are on my team. I truly care about that. Did I lose you? No, I'm here. Okay. I truly care about them and want to make them both professionally and personally successful. And so that's what we're working on right now. This year is like, how do we create a high performing team? What can I do as a leader 
to help them become better. And I'm, I, I read a lot of leadership books and I'm actually going to a John Maxwell event next week, all in the efforts to make myself better, but also to make my team better. Yeah. What is your most favorite recent book that someone just gave you like two days ago that you're reading that is green on the cover and starts with <laughs> 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 Most people don't. Yeah, I didn't. I, I wouldn't have been. I yeah, you're looking around to see if it's on your bookshelf. It better be right on your desk, and hopefully, you're packing it's it still, on your trip to my, Florida. It's still in my back. It's still in my backpack over there. All right, fair <laughs> enough. Fair enough. And Tim, it's really cool that you are selfless. You are. It's not right. The answer is in. This is why I selected you, and I asked you, and I'm honored to that you are on the show. Most of the people that I'm talking to. When I ask that question, it's always about other people. You mm -hmm. didn't say that I'm building wealth for whatever, or that I get to drive fancy cars. It's not about that, or that you're buying a third vacation home. It's your first answer was about helping people grow, right? You're 12 to 13 people that are immediately full-time on your staff. And then plus you're working with all the contractors, which is just, such a altruistic, noble reason for doing what you're doing. Plus, you love it. And Tim, one thing that I thought was really unique about you, you had shared that you do motivational Mondays for your team and you're bringing in different ideas. And again, I'm probably going to come and present to your team sometime. Uh, educating them, inspiring them, motivating them to get better. And I shared with you that is unique it is unique for a business owner it's unique for someone that is in the custom home building world in the architectural world that is just unique because their focus usually is just on self and revenue and what i'm learning very quickly and having my own company that it's really about purpose over profits and those mm -hmm. people that believe in purpose over profits are the ones that are going to be feeling fulfilled and continuing to help others, which is then another little bit of a shift. I want to ask you about Jen and the foundation that you have started to be able to give back to people. Again, it's something that no one told you to do, but I think in your heart and in Jen's heart, you're like, this is what we want to be able to do. Would you mind sharing with our listeners? Because also it's a very giving gesture of what you both are doing. I have a little request. This is Bart. The founder of Most People Don't. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably familiar with my name and my voice. A friend recently said, Bart, you really need to remind people to like, subscribe, comment, and share. The purpose of this quick little message is to do exactly that. We're putting out some tremendous content. You, as our listeners, have been extremely loyal. You gave us a perfect 5.0 score, and you are also sharing it thanks to your support. Our podcast received recognition of being the top 15% most shared podcast in the world. We want to make sure that we continue to do this and more. So if you're liking the content, please continue to like it, to comment, to share, subscribe, do all those great things. In addition to the podcast, you can find more resources at mostpeopledon't.com. That's where you could get a copy of uh, our best-selling book, Most People Don't and Why You Should still in the top 1% of Amazon book sales. It's available there. Lastly, and probably most importantly, I want people to know that I am a motivational speaker full-time now. I completed my first TEDx talk in New York City. 
And this podcast is a way for me to share ideas with terrific individuals that are doing some exceptional things. As my main business is keynote speaking, I also do sales and service training. And we have a lot of different topics that we customize based on the needs of our clients. If you know of a group or an organization, big or small, for-profit, not-for-profit, that needs a dose of inspiration, they need a boost of motivation, I'd love to receive your referrals. Just send me an email. Easy. Bart at most people don't. Really appreciate it and keep doing. Yeah. Almost 11 years ago now, Jen went through a kind of a tough time in her life. Her father passed away and she had been let go from her job. And so she's just trying to find herself. And so she ended up on a trip to the Dominican Republic with our church to do some anti-human anti-human trafficking work. And on that trip, she they were doing some home visits and they saw some shelters that our the youth group from our church previously had put together and assembled. And all of a sudden she she was flooded with emotion. And uh, sorry. Yeah, it's um, good to be flooded with emotion. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So she gets flooded with emotion and she hears God audibly say, This is why you're here. You're here to help, you're here to build houses. And so she comes home to me all excited and she goes, we need to build houses. And uh, she said, but I don't know how to do it. You do. <laughs> we, need to, we need to figure it out. Fast forward, we've been doing this now for 10 years. So that was, we started in 2014. We built our first house in November and 2014. And since then, we've built over 60 houses. Wow. One church, two community centers. And we're in, I think, three or four countries. So we started in the Dominican Republic. Then we went to Kenya. And then Brazil, and now we've got a new partnership in the Amazon. So we're, and we did a project in Central African Republic as well. That's where the big community center was. Jen's heart is very giving, very servant-minded, and she leads with that passion. And that's her purpose is to make a difference through, through the houses. And for us, it's not just about the physical house that gets donated from the foundation. It's the spiritual components because we work with the local church. We work with the local community. Like we want the community to build from within, not that here come the Americans to save the day right now. They need some support, but what can the community do to come around? So you, we see the community come together and they come work on these projects for free. These people have nothing. They're coming to work for free sometimes, right. giving just their time and um, or they're making meals for people that are working on the job or what, whatever it is. So it's, it's, it's a very um, holistic approach to to poverty. We've learned a lot about poverty. Now we serve what we call the the ultra poor. And that's people that live on less than $2 a day. And so when we were going through setting up the foundation, you, you need to have a focus when you're trying to solve a big problem like this. So we said, let's go after the poorest of the poor. And so that's where our heart was. Let's do that. Let's follow that. Let's go serve the people that need it the most. And hopefully we can influence them physically with a new home, but then also spiritually by the community coming around them and changing their lives in a couple of different ways. And I tell you what, the stories that we and the families that we've seen and heard and changed, like it's unbelievable. It's been, it's inspiring. And so that's the other reason what gets me up in the morning. Now, if you're, I'm in my own home office here now, but if we were in my office, there's a picture behind me that hangs and I'll show you next time you're in. Yeah. It's a picture of the Dominican Republic and it's the streets. And it's a, a reminder to me, this is what I, this is one of the other things why I do what I do, right? It's not only just helping my team become better and grow and, and building beautiful houses. 
and designing beautiful houses, but it's also helping those less fortunate that need some help and support. So that's also what gets me up in the morning and having an amazing wife to run that race with has been such an amazing journey. Yeah. And Tim, what's interesting, and uh, not all of the video is going to be shared, right? Just clips because it's primarily audio. But as soon as I asked you about that, <clears throat> do you know what your body language did? No. You are about <laughs> as close. You are about as close <laughs> to the camera as possible. And before, because here's the interesting thing, Tim. Most of the conversation I'm talking about you, I'm asking about you. And that's not a natural thing for most people. So you're sitting back and yes, you're comfortable and relaxed. As soon as I asked you about the team, you got a little bit closer. As soon as I asked you about your foundation, you got even closer. That shows where your heart is, which is such an amazing and beautiful thing. Tim, I just have a few additional questions for you. Our listeners are inspired by stories, and that's what I do. I'm a motivational storyteller. People will remember stories 22 times more than data. Mm -hmm. We lead with stories. Is Are there any stories that come to mind with a particular family or person that received a home or was influenced by a community center. Is, yeah. Is there, yeah. Can you share? Yeah, absolutely. So the very first home recipient, her name's Amanda. When we initially, we had selected, the community selects these. We, Jen and I just sign off, like not Jen, we have a board that we take everything to. So it's very kind of um, organized. But the first home was supposed to go somewhere else, but there were some issues with the land. So we always want the people to make sure that they own the land, have some type of clear title so that we don't have any issues. Somebody comes in, hey, this is a brand new house. I'm taking it from you right now. We, they, they we have to have proof. And the community li liaison came to us and said, hey, there's this woman. Her name's Amanda. She, she's, she's the next candidate. We're like, perfect. So a couple of days before we're supposed to come into country, she was working in one of these like free zones, like factories and whatever, and breathed some stuff in and got really sick. And she was saving money for her son who wanted a refrigerator, right? Now, a refrigerator is one of those things that's a big luxury in the Dominican Republic. Plus, you don't have power goes in and out. Like, it's very sporadic. And so she had to take that money and use it to buy her med you know, medicine and things like that to stay alive. Like, she nearly died. And so here we come. And she's very quiet, reserved to herself, not really understanding what's going on. She thinks we're renovating her existing house. And so we proceed to explain to her, no, we're building you a brand new house. We're going to take that down and we're going to build you a new house. And in that process, she started the next time when the house was done, she moved in. Jen went down to visit her and she her life was impacted spiritually. Her heart and the physical need, need was met. Now the spiritual need was met. And what this woman did is she had, I think she has four kids and she started businesses. There, so there was a community liaison person that came in and helped her kind of create some crafts and some different things that they would sell to teams that would come visit. And, and so she caught that entrepreneurial bug. And uh, every time we go see her, she's doing some other business. She's got a nail salon on her front porch. She was growing pigs. She wow. was doing just all of these things. And I forget how many years ago it was, about maybe five or six years ago, she received an award from the vice president of the Dominican Republic for her progression out of poverty because she also started helping the community. Wow. So one house, one person, major impact. 
Right? There's more stories like that, but yeah. that's the first one. So yeah, it was pretty cool. Yeah. And so she was then helping to build community based on the generosity of you and Jen in the foundation with Paradigm Homes. Remarkable. Yeah. So yeah. Tim, just maybe two more questions for you. And again, thank yeah. you so much for sharing it. And I think I shared with you, the podcast has become very popular, top 15% most shared podcast in the world which is just remarkable. We know that people like it and they're sharing and it's proactively sent to over 100,000 people. The last element that we've not really talked about because it is just showing your selflessness, right? You're wanting to give to others. We haven't really even talked about Paradigm Homes, which is okay, but I do wanna make sure <laughs> that people are understanding what makes Paradigm Homes unique and special. When we met in person the other day, we were talking about the vision and the goal and the mission. You're building some amazing custom homes, a lot in the DMV, right? The DC market, DC, Maryland, and Virginia market. You're expanding into a couple of other areas. Tell me if I'm getting this correct, Charleston. Yeah, we're in Charleston right now. And going back to, so why we're in Charleston is because my wife gave up moving to Northern Virginia 23 years ago, Yeah, six, six or seven years ago, we fell in love with Mount Pleasant, the old village area of Charleston. And we ended up buying a, a second home that we rent out as well. It's an investment property. So we can go back and forth. And so my, that's where Jen wanted to be. And I'm like, let's do it. And initially she's, you're not allowed to work here. It's okay, fine. And then COVID hit. And everything in Virginia shut down. So we went to South Carolina because everything was open. Yeah. And I'm just watching walk. We go for walks every day. And I'm seeing all these houses being built. And I'm, I'm like, Jen, I said, I'm like a caged animal. Like, I need to yeah. do something. <laughs> and so I'm like, I'm going to go get my license in South Carolina. And we'll, we'll figure that out. And so she's now embraced it two years, two, three years later after a, after that's been in place. And she just, she's starting to realize that, you know, I said, look, no matter where you put me on a deserted island, yeah. I'm going to figure out how yeah. to do some work, make a business, make some money, you help some people. Like yeah. that's just who I am. And but that's how we ended up in Charleston. Okay. So. <laughs> in what other markets are you in currently? So we've got the architecture company is called Home Lux Architecture. We started that. We've been working, we brought in-house design about two years ago, but we're, we split off into this secondary brand early last year. And we've got a project that we're doing in Texas for a client on the design side. We've got a project in Massachusetts, actually two projects in Massachusetts that we're doing for clients on the design side. We've got eyes on Florida and maybe Charlotte area, just trying to figure it out. But we want to make sure we're successful in Northern Virginia first, and then ultimately South Carolina, Charleston second. Yeah, the growth is going to be incredible. And you had started to share a little bit about the why. And I shared an example with you when I present to a hospitality company I will ask individuals, well, describe the hotel, describe the resort, and they use certain words, but it doesn't necessarily differentiate. And then I encourage people when they're describing things to talk about what makes it unique and special, and then also how is it going to make people feel? You started to share a little bit about that. Your customers with Paradigm Homes, how do you want them to feel and how do you get them to feel a certain way? Yeah. So construction's messy. It's hard. It's drawn out. Uh, a lot of times it goes over budget. A lot of times it goes over schedule. And it's just a product of 
the industry. And so for us, what can we do? And we're not perfect at it. We've got behind on projects and gone over budget on projects just like everybody else. But our goal is what can we do to make sure our clients have an amazing experience through that? What can we do to make sure that we're doing things differently? Really, because at the end of the day, we're all in this, in the construction world, we're all in the same industry, buying from the same subs and suppliers and, and maybe working with a lot of the same either architects, not so much now because we brought that in-house, but working with a lot of the same people. So really, what diff- the only thing you can really do to differentiate yourself in this custom home building renovation space is to provide an exceptional experience. And for me, that's why I'm really trying to train and develop my people because people help people. And so that's where I need to make sure that the client has a great experience because the person on the other end of of a call or in a meeting is treating them with respect and they're going after something different and being unique. And paradigm means to be an example. So we want to be the example of excellence in the industry. Now, excellence is probably never achieved but it's something that becomes a habit that you work towards. It's a constant direction. It's discipline. It's daily doing the right thing and, and going above and beyond. And so for us, it's really what can we do? And we're working on things to grow and make ourselves different. And it starts obviously with me making myself better and then leading the team and making them better and then them helping our clients achieve what they want in, in their home desires and the overall experience. Yeah, so well stated. And I thought you were going to throw in a doing what most people don't. You almost did. You almost felt <laughs> like that. But, and we do what most people don't, but you really do. And you are trying to get better. As you said, you're not perfect, but you are raising the level of excellence so that your customers do have a better experience. That's the differentiator. And you care. That's right. And And I know you're going to be, you're going to continue to, expand into markets your homes are going to get increase in value you're going to have more customer referrals than ever before because of the grit because of the heart because of the desire to get better not just for you not just for your team but to have a better experience for the customers and that is truly what is separating paradigm homes and you tim winner from anyone else doesn't matter where they are in the country your ability and desire to give with you and Jen, the foundation, all of those things wrapped up together are just exceptional. You are really doing what most people don't. I would encourage our listeners to check out Paradigm Homes, P-A-R-A-D-I-G-M, homes.com. Great website. There's a lot of great videos, examples, messaging about the story and how Paradigm Homes started. Uh, things that we did not have a chance to talk about today, photo galleries, and um, reach out, right? Reach out and connect with Tim Winter, president, founder of Paradigm Homes. Uh, I'm going to I'm gonna have one last question for you, and I'd like to do this with our guests. I'm going to ask you to fill in the blank, Tim. Most yep. people don't blank. What would you say? I would say most people don't show up and give it their all. Yeah, I think a lot of people want the sexy beach body, but they don't want to go to the gym and go through the diet. Most people want to be a business owner, but they don't have the 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 wherewithal to take on all of it that it takes because it's not easy. It's a lot of work. So I think a lot of people don't truly show up. If they do, then they're not giving it their all. They're not really trying to get after it. They're not disciplined enough. They're not creating habits. Everybody wants to take the path of least resistance. And unfortunately, the only way you can really grow is you got to, it's adversity. You got to take on the challenges. You got to do the hard things. You got to, 
get up when nobody else is up. You got to work when no one else is working and you just got to think differently. And it starts with that level of, of discipline and mindset and, and focus. And unfortunately, a lot of people don't have that drive. Yeah. And I, the lesson that I learned, thank you for sharing that, Tim. And what I learned from you today is you need to be able to find the thing that is going to want to get you up, that is wanting, that is fueling your desire to show up and go above and beyond. And for you, it is helping your team. For you, it is helping your customers. For you, it is giving back. And then it is, and then it is the business aspect. But I could tell those are the things that are motivating you to be successful. And that is really unique and very special. Tim, thank you again. Tim Winter, president, founder of Paradigm Homes. Check them out, paradigmhomes.com. And if they are not in your market, this is going out globally. If they're not in your market, reach out anyway. All right, reach out anyway, because yeah, yeah, you, you never know where Paradigm Homes and Tim and team are going to be expanding to. Grateful for your time, Tim. Thank you. Thank you. And yeah, keep doing what most people aren't doing. You are truly a unique individual, very special, and can't wait to talk more to you and to be able to meet Jen in person. Awesome. I appreciate your time, Bart. Amazing. Thank you. <laughs>